We don't talk much about the Holy Spirit, and there's, of course, a couple of reasons for that. Number one is the Holy Spirit even told us that he wasn't here to bring glory to himself. He's going to always point us back to Jesus. But today, as we finish up this series, Back to Basics, we're going to talk about the Spirit. So we're right now ending. Today is the very last uh, Sunday of a, of a sermon series called Back to Basics, God and Grace. We've been looking at this verse, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will, be, you will abound in every good work. Then, now, the best word, now, long ago when we started this one, I think it was, what, the first Sunday in, in uh, September. By the way, next Sunday, I just want to let you know that next Sunday, our superintendent's going to be in the pulpit here. You, you don't want to miss that. Chris Hill is the superintendent of our Oregon Conference, and he's going to come and share with you and we all know, as I've told you, that this, I've already let the conference know this will be my final year. I'm going to be around here through next June. Don't worry about it. Many, many months to come. But the superintendent will be here, and he'll be sharing a word with you, some encouragement, and meeting with some of our leaders. That's next week. And then the following week, we have our society meeting. You'll hear more about that in the weeks to come, but we invite you to all of those things as well. We learned that the very best word to describe Christianity is not the word love. It's a great word. It's just that who knows what it means. Love is used in, for instance, I love the Dodgers. They disappointed me yesterday. But it's not the same sort of love that we're talking about for Christianity. But what I say is, go Cubbies, and we're all right. There you go. Okay. The best word to describe Christianity is grace. Because everything we have is by grace. In other words, God has given it to us. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. You can't earn it. It's by grace. Our ability to live and to think and to breathe and to work and to act is by grace. What we know about God is by grace. Jesus comes to us by grace. It's all given to us and we don't deserve any of it. It's by grace. What we learned is this. God graciously reveals, because he doesn't have to. God doesn't have to reveal anything if he doesn't want to. God's God. But he graciously, even though we don't deserve, he graciously reveals all that I, what's the key word? Need to know. Now, not all that you want to know, all that I want to know, but all that I need to know about God, about how to know Him, about who He is, He has revealed. I don't have to struggle for it. It's right there. And if somebody comes to you with something new, no, it's not from God. If I needed to know it, He would have revealed it to me long, long, long ago. And it's what we've seen over the last several weeks, that through that revelation, that revelation through nature, that revelation through the written word. We talked about the Bible for a week. But mostly, the, the most purest form and the best form of his revelation to show, show you who he is is through the second person of the Trinity who came and put on flesh, incarnate here on the planet, walked around in humanity as a human, not a pretend, but in fully human. And there he reveals to us fully what God wants. And he answers the four basic questions of life. Remember, here's the first question was this. What is God like? The answer is Jesus. That's it. That's all you need to know. God is like Jesus. He's who he is. God sent his son all in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. This is what scripture says. We look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. I don't know how I can give it to you any clearer. I know that sometimes when we look at the Bible and think, oh, it's so hard to understand. I don't see what's hard to understand about that. We look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. Okay. What's God like? Jesus. End of story. So if you want to know what God is like, who do you, who do you study? Jesus. That's what he's like. 
We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above, below, visible, invisible, rank after rank after angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. What's God like? He's like Jesus. That's it. Now, if you're mystified by anything else, I don't know why. Everything you need to know about who God is is found in Jesus Christ. Now, there are other questions you might have, but could I tell you something? You don't need to know it. If you needed to know it, I would have told you long ago. You don't need to. You have questions, I've got questions, but I don't need an answer. Everything I need to know about God, I see in Jesus Christ. Okay? So, second question. What was that question? Okay, so there is a God, he's like Jesus. Here's the second question. How can I know God? Okay, there, there he is. But I, there's something I know intuitively that I'm not in the really best relationship with God. As a matter of fact, my relationship isn't good at all. How do I get to in a relationship with God? How do I know him? The answer is, Jesus... Well, that's the answer. That's why we call ourselves Christians, by the way, centered on Christ and not Godians. Okay? We are Christocentric because Jesus Christ is the answer for all of these things. That's why we look to Jesus, we study Jesus, we follow Jesus. Jesus said this, I'm the way and the truth. He didn't say, I will show you the way, I will tell you about the way, I'll draw you a map. He said, you want to know God? You come through me. I am the way. You come to know me, and guess what? You will know God. I am the way. I've provided the way. I've been obedient to everything my Father asked me to do, the things that you couldn't do. I died for you. I provided everything you need. I'm the way. So that one day when we get up to heaven and we stand and God says to us, what are you doing here? And we point to Jesus and we say, I'm with him. Okay? That's why. All right? Last week, we were looking at the third question, which is this. What does God want from me? Okay, so we know what God is like. He's like Jesus. How can I know God? Well, the answer is Jesus. Now, okay, I know you. What do you want from me? How should I be living my life? What, this, what is this life all about? And the answer is, well, here it is. It's through Jesus Christ. This is what we learned last week. He wants the loving, humble, trusting lifestyle of Jesus. In other words, Jesus didn't just come to reveal God's heart. And he didn't just come to provide the way. He also came and said, now here's how I want you to live. God says, I'm looking for that loving, humble, trusting lifestyle of Jesus. I don't want your religion. Your religion ticks me off, God says. If you don't believe that, get online, listen to last week's sermon. I'll show you several scriptures where God says your religion is getting on my nerves. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for a loving, humble, trusting lifestyle. And I sent my son to show you what it looks like. Okay? Wouldn't it be great if um, we could all live like that? I mean, can you imagine what the world would be like if we all actually had the loving, humble, trusting lifestyle of Jesus? So here's the question then, the final question we're going to answer today and we'll be done with the series. How can I possibly, that should be a Y up there, not an E, do it? Okay, Father, I'm getting this now. On the basic level of Christianity, <clears throat> it's not about all the things, I don't have to pass a test, I don't have to go into all the theology, I understand it now. The basic level is you give everything, everything's by grace, I appreciate that, Father. And you graciously have revealed to me who you are, 
through Jesus. You graciously revealed to me how I can know you. Thank you, Father. You graciously revealed to me what you want me to do. Father, that helps me out so much because I've been wondering. But, Father, I have a question. How in the world am I going to get it done? How do I live that loving, humble, trusting lifestyle with Jesus? I couldn't do it before. What makes you think I can do it now? Particularly when you look at this, because here's the problem. This is how the Bible describes us. <laughs> there is nobody living right. Not even one. And when the Bible says not even one, it means what? Not even one. Okay, again, don't make it more complicated than it is. Nobody who knows the score, nobody alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. No one's living right. I can't find a single one. And that is, unfortunately, apart from God, a very accurate description of humanity. Paul describes it this way. He's, he's talking, even when he's even writing to a church, the church at Rome, in, in Romans chapter 7, he talks about the struggle that many of us still continue to have, which is, okay, I now know I'm supposed to have the loving, humble, obedient lifestyle, trusting lifestyle of Jesus. I know that now. I can't do it. I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing it. I know what I shouldn't be doing, and guess what? That's what I'm doing. How in the world do I get past this? Romans chapter 7. At the very end of Romans chapter 7, Paul says this, What a wretched man I am. I know what I should be doing. I understand I should be having the loving, humble, trusting lifestyle of Jesus, but I'm not getting it done. How do I get it done? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? In other words, how am I going to get out of this one? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't it something that Jesus is the answer for all of these things? Absolutely. That's why God sent him. To reveal himself, to provide that way, to show us how to live, and then to show us how to get it done. How is it that I live that loving, humble, trusting lifestyle of Jesus? You ready? Here's the answer. The same way that Jesus did it. The exact same way. And you're saying to yourself, oh, no, that can't be. Jesus was God. Jesus was powerful. Jesus was all-knowing. No wonder he could get it done. I'm not that way. How do I get it done? You're forgetting something. You're forgetting that Jesus didn't use his own power here. He did it through this, through the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus did it. And when he's got it all done, he looks at us and says, okay, now you can do it too. And you can. And I can. I don't. But that's because I'm not really listening to the Spirit like he did. And the Spirit led him in all things, protected him. We're going to show you this right now. See, something happened at, at Jesus' baptism that hadn't happened before. We'll get a little theological here in just a moment. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down, right? And what? Very important phrase. What was it? And landed on Jesus. And what? Watch this. John is now testifying about Jesus Christ. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove. And what? Mm, never happened before. 
I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize in water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. If you go to the Old Testament, you'll find that the Spirit was given on very short occasions for specific things. Time after time after time after time, it says that a person was filled with the Spirit and that gave them the power to do everything they needed to do. But the Spirit didn't remain. The Spirit came only because that person needed power for that moment and then the Spirit withdrew. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit came and remained. And the rest of his ministry received through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is part of the Trinity, so you're saying, but wasn't the Spirit with him before? Yes, it was, obviously. He was, because God can't be separated. Remember, this is going to hurt your head. But God sent the sign to John to say, I want to show you how important the Holy Spirit is to my son, because the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to stay right with him. Now, he's always been with him, but now we see that. We get to see that as an illustration, the Spirit coming down as a dove, not a dove, as a dove, whatever that means, I don't know. What's the signal? This man's not like any other man. The Spirit is going to come and just help him occasionally. The Spirit is now going to lead and guide every facet of his life. And Jesus, get ready, was dependent upon the Spirit to do his job. You say, but Jesus was the second person who was God. Yeah, he was. I'm going to show you in a moment. We said it many, many times. He didn't use that power. Could he? Sure. If he wanted to, except that was his choice, to rely completely on the Spirit. Let me show you how limited Jesus was, okay? How about this? He had to pray to decide which the 12 would be. Now, why didn't he just, as he met people, go, yes, he did. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us he went up and he prayed. And when he was done praying all night long, he came down and said, it's you, 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 and you. Why? Because while he was praying, the Spirit said, here's the one. When he came to raise Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus had been dead four days, Jesus asked a very interesting question. He said, what? Where'd you bury him? Excuse me, Mr. Dodd, didn't you create all this? Don't you know where he is? Why didn't you just go to the tomb? He didn't know. The Spirit hadn't told him. He's in this crowd of people. People are touching him all, and there's one lady who just knows that if she can touch him, that she's going to be healed from this menstrual flow that made her unclean that she'd had for year after year after year after year after year. And so she touches him, and Jesus stops and says, what? You did it. No. He stops and says, what? Who touched me? Wait a minute. Aren't you the creator? Didn't you make this girl? Why didn't you just turn and say, you touched me, didn't you? He didn't know. The Spirit hadn't told him. It wasn't important. So he had to ask, who did that? When he's talking to a centurion, and uh, he says, okay, I'll come to your house, and I'll, I'll heal your servant. And the centurion says, whoop, 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 don't do that. I'm not worthy of having my house, but I understand how authority works. I also have authority, and I say to this guy, do it, and I, he does it, and I say to this guy, go here, and he goes here. You're like that. You have that kind of authority. Don't come to my house. I know all you have to do is say, heal him, and it's going to be healed. And Jesus is astonished at the centurion's faith. We would have thought you could have, he would have looked at the centurion and said, 
I knew you were going to say that. But you didn't. And he even told us that he has no idea when he's coming back. It's not his decision, and he doesn't even know. Jesus put it this way. Ready? For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me. Jesus didn't come here with his own knowledge, his own understanding, and say based on my eternity, based on my deity, based on everything that I know, and remember, I'm the creator God, I created all of you, this is what I want you to know. All he did was listen to what the Father said through the Spirit and say, in fact, I'm going to give it to you plain as day. Ready? Jesus, talking to the crowd, gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the second person of the Trinity, the one who created all that there is, the one who has always been and always will be, can do nothing by himself. Oh yeah, I created the world, but here, I can't do anything on my own. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, that's what the Son also does. Are you getting this? This is really important stuff to really know and understand how to live the way God wants us to live. Many of us are using the excuse, well, Jesus did it because he's God. Well, of course he did. Yes, he is. But while he walked here, he had the ability to not rely on his own thoughts, his own understanding, his own wisdom, his own experience, but into himself, and we'll see that in just a moment, and said, I'm going to rely, Father, completely on what you tell me to do and what you tell me to say, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's what I'm going to say, and the Spirit remaining on me is the one who will help me understand. You getting this? How is it that Jesus was able to do all the things that he did? Through the power of of the Holy Spirit. The very same Holy Spirit who is available to each one of us. Which is why Jesus one time said, you're going to do greater things than me. You understand what's going on. Wow. Wait till you see what you can do through the Spirit. Already? Let me show you how he did it. Three steps. I'm not going to call them easy steps. Simple steps, perhaps, but not easy. How did Jesus rely on the Spirit to be able to do everything he was supposed to do and not use his own understanding, power, or authority? Here we go. Step number one. You've got to let go of your deity. This is what we've seen many times in the book of Philippians. He had equal status with God, but did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantage of that status no matter what. No, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, omniscience, which means he knows everything, omnipresence, which means he's present everywhere. He set aside all the privileges, like being able to speak the world into existence. No, set that aside. 
and took on the status of a slave, he became human. There's step number one. And you say to me, ah, but I don't have any deity to let go of. Oh, really? That is, at the very core, our main problem as humanity. We actually think we are God. From the very beginning, as a matter of fact, it was the very essence of that first time that humanity turned against God because God had said to them, okay, you can do anything. I'm going to give you permission to do all the millions of things that are out there. I just need you to stay away from this one. Don't do this one thing, which is the one thing they were tempted to do. And as they were tempted, the tempter came to them and said this, God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you will see what's really going on. You will be, read it with me, just like God. And that has been our desire ever since. It rankles many of us to know that there is a God up here. It rankles many of us to know that there's a creator, that we are actually just a creation. There was a time we didn't exist, and we are really not in charge of all of that. For some of us, it just really ticks us off. We just can't handle it. So we come up with some other explanation for how we got here. Because it can't be from a God. Because if there's a God, that means I'm not God. And it means I'm not the most powerful one. And that bothers me. We are the God of our own lives. And if you're going to be open to the Spirit, you have to let The Spirit cannot fill, the Spirit cannot use anyone in those areas where you will not release lordship to Him. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is Lord of all, and yet He set that aside to become human. And He allowed the Father through the Spirit to be His Lord, to teach and to tell him where to go and what to do and when to say and how to do it and do this and do this. And he left some holes in his knowledge. That's why Jesus had to say, where is he who touched me? God didn't tell him all those things. But the Spirit set us, I mean, Jesus set aside his own deity, the privileges of deity, and followed the Holy Spirit. You understand what you've got to do? If we're really going to live this lifestyle, because you can't live it on your own, you've been trying to live it on your own, you and I both know that, I do it myself, it doesn't work. To really live it as I'm supposed to, through the Spirit, as Jesus did, the very first thing I've got to do is let go of any idea that I am Lord of my own life. I have told you one of the best lines from a movie, and movies may not be the best illustrations, but every now and then they work great, and this one works great. It's the movie Rudy. Remember Rudy? Okay, great little movie. I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, Rudy is this little runt of a guy that finally, you know, he, he's not a very smart person, but he works hard and he makes it into Notre Dame and then he gets the final play and they carry him off on his shoulders and it's just a wonderful, feel-good movie. But there was a line from a priest named Father, Father Kavanaugh. And let me tell you, if you don't get anything out of the movie Rudy, you get this. Rudy comes to him, he's praying, because he really wants to get into Notre Dame, and he hasn't been accepted yet, and he's only got one more shot at it, this is it, and he turns to Father Kavanaugh, and he says, Father, have I done enough? Am I going to make it this time? And Father Kavanaugh says this, it's great. Son, 
In 35 years of religious study, I've come up with only two hard, incontrovertible facts. There is a God, and I'm not Him. Let me tell you something. Blessed be the man or woman who can say that and really mean it. You've taken the first step to being filled with the Holy Spirit in every area of your life to be able to live the life that God has called you to live in Jesus Christ. That loving, humble, trusting lifestyle of Jesus. There is a God. And I'm not Him. Oh. The ways we try to be God of our own lives. Lord of our decisions, our futures, our wants and desires. And God is so patient and loving. Because usually what happens for us is instead of just releasing it all at once, that would be wonderful, as Jesus was able to do and he did, most of us, it's a process over time where maybe we even fool ourselves and say, oh, Lord, I've given you all. We even sang a song along us, all of me. And our father smiles and says, not even close yet. You're getting better. Not even close yet. There are still so many things in your life, so many areas where you are Lord and you are God, and I'm just waiting for you to give them up. And I'm here. I'll be here when you're ready. It's kind of a description of the discipleship process, spiritual formation, the, the growing up in him. is. If you wanted just a really practical definition, growing up in Jesus Christ is identifying over the course of time through the help of the Holy Spirit those areas where I'm still Lord and learning to release them. My time, my money, my relationships, my future, my job, my emotions, my addictions, all those areas where I'm still keeping Lordship and God is patiently waiting and you're doing a great job over here but not over here. That's because my spirit can't really fill you there. My spirit really can't lead you because you think you're God there. And you're not. When you've accepted the truth, God says, let me know. I'll be there. Second step. First step is you've got to let go of your deity. The second step is you need to accept the help of the Holy Spirit. We also call him the paraclete. That's the Greek word. I put that up there, not because I wanted to impress you with the fact that I knew the word paraclete, but because the word paraclete means so many different things. That's why some of your Bibles around, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, will say, this is what the word paraclete actually means. It's kind of a combination of all of this. It means the, uh, the, the comforter. It means the helper. It means the counselor. The public defender, that's what the defender means. It means like the public defender, like you've got a lawyer and they speak for you. It means friend. It means all of those. That's what the word paraclete means. That's why Jesus says, I will send you a paraclete, not a parakeet, okay, a paraclete. I will send you a paraclete. What does that mean? Well, it means he's going to be your counselor and your comforter and your helper and your defender and your friend. He's going to do all those things. The Holy Spirit is a gift from Jesus Christ to help us live our lives as we need to live. Take a look at this passage. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. See, he was talking to his disciples. And the disciples were saying, please don't go. I, I need you to stay right here. I love you so much. I, I, I like being with you. Please stay. And Jesus says, you got it all wrong. 
I've got something for you, but you don't get it unless I leave. I tell you the truth, it's for your own good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I know you like my presence here, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Because when Jesus walked this planet in the flesh, he was not omnipresent. Because he said, you know what that means? It means everywhere. Jesus had a body. There was Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a friend, and guess what? He's going to be everywhere. Everywhere. You won't be able to go any place and escape from his presence. He's going to be around you. He's going to be in you. You're going to live, he's going to live through you. It's going to be incredible. And he's going to help you live your life. That's what Paul tells us in Romans. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. That's why it's okay to say you're weak. That's why the people who say, I have no weaknesses, don't get any help. Because the Spirit says, okay, I'm not here to help with your strengths. I'm here to help with your weaknesses. What are your weaknesses? Well, I don't have any. Well, then you don't need my help. Good luck. How about being able to say to him, I'm so weak in this area. I need your help here. I need your help here. I'm weak. And the Spirit says, that's why I'm here. In the same way the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We don't even know how we have to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that cannot express. It's incredible how our Father, we want to say, have you ever had to, Father, I, I want to pray, I want to say, but I don't know the words. Don't worry about it. You don't need the words. You think God is up there thinking, well, I only speak English, and if you can't give me the right English words, I have no idea what you're talking about. The Spirit who lives within us knows exactly what we're trying to say, and He intercedes with the Father. And the Father connects through the Spirit. And you don't even have to have the words. As a matter of fact, sometimes the best prayer you can ever pray is help. And God knows. Make sure you write this down. I cannot be a Christ follower without the Spirit. I can't do it. It can't be done. It cannot be done. You cannot follow Jesus Christ. You cannot live the life that God has called us to, that loving, humble, trusting lifestyle. You cannot do it without the Spirit. It can't be done. It is impossible. You can try and try and try, and many of us do, and it doesn't work because it can only be done through the Spirit. Take a look at this passage. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, God leads as he led Jesus Christ. God leads through the Spirit as he led Jesus Christ through the Spirit, so much so that he could tell Jesus who he's going to choose. He's going to tell him what to do, what to say, but it only comes through the Spirit. We're not trusting in the Spirit. God is still talking. Okay, I need you to do this, but we're not hearing. Because it isn't coming through the Spirit because we're not open to Him. You can't do it on your own. You have to go through the Spirit and be filled with Him. Let me show you what the Spirit does for us. Ready? Here we go. You'll see this in Scripture. This is what the Spirit does in our lives that helps us live that lifestyle that God wants us. First of all, He teaches. Okay? He is the one who teaches us and reminds us what Jesus Christ said. This is what Jesus said about the Spirit. 
All this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the Counselor, the Paraclete, when He comes, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here, ready. Some of you have, and I've heard people say, I've never heard God's voice. God has never spoken to me. Well, of course He has. You just didn't realize it. Did you think you were able to understand something of God because you're just so stinking smart? Did you think it was some sort of combination of the chemicals going on in your brain that suddenly they were just right and I go, whoa, now I understand. Praise be unto me how smart I am. Scripture says this. Don't work that way. Your pathetic brain, and your brain, by the way, is a marvelous instrument compared to everything else, but it's still pretty pathetic when it comes to understanding God. Your brain cannot understand anything God says. Anything I want to tell you, you can't get it. It can't be discerned through your brain. It can't be discerned because all the brain is up here is just a chemical reaction, and we can go into those neurons and everything else that are going back and forth. God says that you, those neurons can't understand me. It doesn't work. Here's what's going to happen. When I want you to know something, I'll tell you. And you'll go, whoa. And when you go, whoa, that's me talking to you. It's the only way you'll know anything about me. I will graciously reveal who I am. And I'll speak right to your spirit. And you'll get it. But not because you're smart. But because I showed you. And I talked to you. You ever read scripture and you read a passage time and time and time again and suddenly you read and go, whoa, wow. Guess who was talking to you? Did you really think that somehow you just had the right breakfast that morning and everything came back? Oh man, I'm so smart. Why didn't I see that before? The Lord God of all the universe took time out of his busy schedule to talk to you and to say, you see this? It's true. Because without his help, you can't understand anything. Now, think about all the things you've learned about God. Think about all the times that you've been listening to a sermon or, or watching something or reading, and you went, wow, man, thank you. Guess what? Did you think you were learning these things because I'm a brilliant orator? Just, you know, smooth of speech. And just so darn charismatic, you know. I'm none of those things. You get something, and you go, wow, I never, man, that's great. Don't thank me. I didn't do it. The Spirit spoke to you, and you heard from God. Don't ever tell me you've never heard from God. The only way to say that is if you know nothing about Him, but if you understand anything, because God has spoken. He teaches. The Spirit teaches. He corrects is the second thing that He does in our lives. Jesus promises this about the Holy Spirit. When He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteous and judgment. 
Here's one of the functions of the Spirit is I'm open to the Spirit. He teaches, He reminds me, he, he helps me understand things that are going on. I can study and study and study, but it doesn't really become part of me until the Spirit really makes it part of me and helps me, and He teaches me, thank you, Father. But then every now and then I go up on the wrong track, and the Spirit is the one that says, whoa, there, big guy. Let's rein that one in. You're way off base. See, I need that. Jesus didn't necessarily need that. It was available in his life, but he didn't need it because he never went off base. He always listened, and he always obeyed, and he always followed. I do not. I am still in the process of learning how to do that. I'm good in some areas. I'm not good in other areas. Even some of the areas that I'm good in, I kind of get a little lax on and think that I'm God. And I am learning. I am a disciple in the process. And every now and then, my Father, through the Spirit, says, Whoa, you're way off base. You can call it conscience. You can call it whatever you want. But the Christian and the Christ follower, we call him the Spirit, the paraclete, the one who is sent to keep me on the right path. He teaches, he corrects, but he also empowers us. It's, it's not just knowing these things. It's not just knowing what I should do and I shouldn't do. I need power to be able to do it because I cannot do these things. Even when I know what I should do, I don't have the power to do the things that I should do. But don't worry. Jesus wouldn't send you out there and say, here's what I want you to do, but you can't do it. He sends us out and says, not only am I going to teach you and remind you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the power to be able to do it. In the Old Testament, time and time and time and time again, when someone was called to do a job, it was, it was true of, of Samson, it was true of Othniel, it was true of all of the judges, it was true of, of Saul as well. I've got a task ahead of me, and guess what the Father sent every time? He sent the Spirit. And he was filled with the Spirit, and he got it done. Now, the difference was, then the Spirit left. Jesus was the one where the Spirit came to remain. And you know what? The same thing is true for you and me. The Spirit just doesn't come and go in our lives. He doesn't just come to give us a little help and then withdraw. He comes and remains and gives us the power to do it. That's what Jesus said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Remember that the Spirit doesn't come to give you power to do anything you want to do. Okay, there's us being God again. Dear God, give me the power to do exactly what I want. And God says, mm, it doesn't work like that. I'm going to send my power, but it's for him. He's going to give you power to do what I want you to do. And one of the first things I want you to do is to be my witnesses. I want you to live that loving, trusting, humble lifestyle. And the Spirit is going to help you do it. Write this down. When we're talking about the third person of the Trinity. You see, it's the Spirit that makes real the truths of Jesus. Our Father makes promises, and through Jesus Christ, they become a reality, but they're just there. They're just sitting there. It is through the Spirit of God. God says, now I'm going to send my Spirit. Jesus says, he's going to be a gift for me. And through the Spirit, everything I told you you could do is going to be possible because of him, the Holy Spirit. Which means that um, it's really not based on what you know. 
which is good news for many of us because many of us are not that brilliant. And if it was based on what we know, then what would be the hope for the people who just, for whatever reason, their intellect isn't developed? No, it's not what you know. He says this. It's based on how open you are to my Holy Spirit. You want to live the Christian life? You want to know what to do? You want to know what not to do? You want to be better? You want to grow up? Listen to my spirit. That's what Jesus did. He set aside all the privileges of deity and he said, I will now follow what the spirit tells me in everything in my life. And he did. And he looks at us and says, there you go. That's how you do it. Now, are any of us perfect at that? No, not at all. Not even close. But it does mean this. It isn't just about studying and learning these things. Studying and learning is good, but it's also about the third thing that we're going to have to do. The first one, remember, get rid of our deity. The second thing is help the Spirit. Help the, I mean, accept the help of the Spirit. The third thing is this. Do the things that will build my relationship with Him because here's what's true. If I have as strong a relationship with the Holy Spirit as Jesus had, I would live exactly as Jesus did. Okay? If I had exactly the same sort of relationship with the Spirit, completely open to Him, as Jesus did, I would be able to live exactly as Jesus did. Which means, since I'm not living exactly as Jesus did, my relationship with the Spirit still needs to be developed. Do I have Him? Sure. I don't have part of Him. You can't have part of God. But there's areas of my life where I'm still Lord. There's areas of my life that I haven't really learned to listen to Him. There's areas of my life where I take a little too much pride. And I'm learning. Let them go. We actually have a list, and we're done here, of things that we can do to build that relationship. We call them spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer and Bible study and worship and service and generosity, both our time, talents, and treasures, the three T's, meditation. These are all what we call spiritual disciplines. All of them are designed to help us develop that relationship with the Spirit. Let's talk practically for a second. You want to be better at walking with Jesus Christ? Be better at hearing the Spirit. He'll tell you how to do it, give you the power to do it. You can pull out all the self-help books you can read. You can memorize a book of the Bible. It's wonderful. But until you really develop that relationship with the Spirit, you won't have the power. Are you kind of ticked off at your spouse right now? Don't look at them, whatever you do. Why can't my spouse do that? And so you go and you complain to God. Oh, God, did you see? How about this? You really want the spouse that God wants for you? Help your spouse draw as near to the Holy Spirit as you possibly can without saying, draw near to the Holy Spirit, you sinner. That doesn't work, trust me. Do the things that will help your spouse be close to God. And as that spouse is close to God, the Spirit will lead and guide and change your spouse into exactly the person God wants for you. Maybe not the person you want for you. Okay, a little caveat there. But stop complaining about your spouse. Help them draw near to Jesus and you got no problem. 
They can never be the spouse. They can never be the child. They can never be the parent. They can never be the friend. They can never be the boss. They can never be any of those things that they're supposed to be until they're filled with the Spirit and completely open. Pray and help them draw near to the Spirit and the Spirit leads and guides. And how do we know it's true? Because that's what He did for Jesus. And He did it for Jesus and then says, now here we are. I really want to do it for you too. I want to help you. I want to teach you. Remind you. Empower you. Would you let me do it? How? Let me get rid of my own deity. Wherever there's some part of me that's deity, that's God, that's in the way. I'm Lord of an area. I've got to learn to let that go. And say, Spirit, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. And then to do all the things that will build that relationship. That's Christianity at its most basic level. God is so gracious to us. He gives us all that we need. He reveals all I need to know. Who he is? Who Jesus is? How do I get to him? Who Jesus? What does he want with the lifestyle of Jesus? How do I do it? The same way Jesus did. Trust him completely in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, now there's so much more to, to knowing you and there's so much more that we could study and learn. That's wonderful. But really, on his basic level, that's it. We add things to it, the religion and other things like that, but Father, no, it's, it's just that simple. Thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and showing us what God is like, how to get there, what you want, and how to do it. Now comes that lifelong process of finding those areas in our lives where we're still God. Father, help us to identify them, confess them, release them, and Spirit, lead and guide as you did Jesus. Thank you, Lord.